I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing Mindful Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, A Simple Path to Healing Hope and Peace by Seth Gillahan. How would you summarise what the book's about then, mate? Yeah, so uh, Seth Gillahan is a, a clinical psychologist, and he um, he practiced CBT for years as a, as, um, a psychologist, and um, found it was really helpful for the people he worked with, and helped a lot of people, you know, overcome anxiety, depression, overthinking, rumination. Made some real life um, changing, um, you know, work work with people, which was like really nice to hear. And the way he he spoke about that was really lovely. But he said that there was an element that was missing from his practice um, that he felt he could go a level deeper. And I think that was particularly um, informed by a period of illness in his life where he found that CBT wasn't working for him. I think he had a a major health scare and had a bout of depression and he wanted to, um, I guess, add another layer or another dimension, as he would put it, to CBT. And that's where the mindfulness aspect comes in. And uh, I guess just for context, I discovered this on the Waking Up Sam Harris app um, yeah. and took a particular interest in, in that. So obviously the app is focusing on um, meditation and a specific form of mindfulness, but also um, wanting to address how we can utilize thoughts and um, feelings and behaviors to move our life in ways that are positive and in love with our in line with our goals and values. So I think it's a really interesting um, combination. I think there's some some useful skills in here um, worth talking about. Great. So in the Waking Up app, he has a, a series of sort of snippets based on one theme at a time, right? And yes, if I've got it right, it's largely, is it uh, largely similar to the book or is the book different to the audio series? I, th- I think the book goes a lot more into um, I guess the uh, the spiritual aspect of okay. um, of mindfulness, but I think he expands on a lot more topics on the app. He covers, you know, um, you know, managing anxiety and um, managing um, relationships and managing um, depression, for, for example. In, in the book, he goes a lot more into things around rest and things around um, work and a bit more around relationships. And kind of expands on it a lot more, as you imagine a book would do. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it was great, and I think a really good place to start would be just kind of outlining the the model of CBT and what the great. um the key aspects of CBT are. And so he started um, working purely with CBT, and a, uh, you're saying mainly through his own personal experience of illness, kind of found aspects of spirituality and mindfulness which worked for him and then start integrating that into his psychotherapy practice and that's this is the output of of that experience exactly yeah right yeah. and i think he um yeah it's it's a it's a great great book really enjoyed it um <laughs> so nice. speaking nice. to yeah yeah it's nice to kind of um get to share with you and i feel like you have some great insights so i guess the um what he describes CBT as is, you know, a set of techniques that help change our thinking. So the cognitive aspect, our actions, the behavioral aspect, and um, the the feelings as well. So he says, you know, simple changes in what we think and what we do can improve our well-being. 
But then he right. brings brings in the aspect of mindfulness, which is um, around our relationships to thoughts. So not trying to change thoughts and not trying to um, sort of reach for certain states of being, but increasing our awareness and being open to life as it is. And he saw a really useful link between the two that he could bring to CBT. So, um, you know, he, he quotes Marcus Aurelius at the beginning saying, useful thought and action experience with acceptance in the presence, which would... Um, it's probably a really nice summary of yeah, most of the, the whole theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think you know he, he breaks it down into three aspects. So, you know, think, act, be. So he says, think is your head. So my mind need needed needs to change my thoughts. Act, which is hands, I need to take action, and be, which is heart, my spirit needed to find presence and acceptance. So. He, yeah, he says often in, in life we want to correct, change um, bad feelings we have or things we feel uncomfortable yeah. with or um, aspects of life that we don't like, things we're ruminating on, things that we're um, stressing around and things that we kind of essentially get re really caught up in. And he says that when we're going, well, I guess to step back a little bit, he's saying that there's an interaction between thoughts, feelings and actions. They right. all impact each other so the example um he gives is that um you know you have the thought that you can't do anything right and then that leads to having the feeling of sadness and because of the feeling of sadness you stop leaving the house so that's yeah. one example yeah. he says you know feeling and then down completely. that all yeah yeah you don't leave the house for ages and you, you're gonna feel more down and like you can't do anything because you haven't been doing anything so it all feeds back on itself Exactly. And that can perpetuate the negative thoughts because you're not leaving the house. Yeah. Says, you know, feeling down can push thoughts and actions into negative direction. Then we feel sadder and more alone. This is just an example, I guess. And then yeah. provokes more negative thoughts, which lead to more negative feelings. So this is, I guess, quite a well-known um, model. And I suppose we don't need to um, labor it too much, but it's acknowledging that there is an interaction between thoughts, feelings, and actions. And behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I suppose yeah, exactly. what sounds... Uh, like you say, it's a it's a well known model, so we don't need to go into much detail. But I suppose what is implicit or even explicit in cognitive behavioural therapy is that there is something about your thinking that is um, incorrect, <laughs> is irrational in some way, and that's leading you to feel in ways that are unhelpful, and leading you to have motivations and then do behaviours that then have this sort of negative feedback cycle. Mm. And so, therefore, the uh, treatment, if you like, is to break down, slow down, look at these thoughts, uh, weigh up the evidence, see how true or not they are, and mm. challenge them enough so that you can feel differently enough to then change what you do and allow a more positive feedback cycle to go around. Mm, mm. But then I suppose when he's talking about mindfulness, it's like, well, sometimes... Um, well, no, let's put it this way. Some mindfulness is a lot about acceptance, right? Um, looking at what is and um, accepting re reality as it is, which you could argue is kind of counter to um, change your thoughts. It's kind of saying like, accept your inner life as it is. Mm -hmm. um, so it'd be sort of interesting to break. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm saying, and I think what he's saying, this isn't a passive approach. It's not a thought of just being like, oh, this thought exists, just let it go or slide away, or when necessarily that thoughts are bad, that we can we can work with them. 
um, essentially. And, um, I, I remember us speaking once before around um, kind of the model of CBT, you know, a, a, you know, a crass um, criticism of it is that you can go through challenging your negative thoughts, providing evidence to the contrary, um, yeah. proving to yourself that this thought isn't true or that you might be over-exaggerating it through some cognitive distortions that I'll, I'll maybe list yeah. in a second. But then after that, you still feel like shit <laughs> or <Right>. you still feel <laughs> yeah. anxious. And it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, I think what he's getting at here, it doesn't address the core underlying, um, I get essence of us that, you know, there are things that we, we can't change. And there's things that we like acceptance might be the better route to yeah. addressing what's going on in your life. And, you know, the, I guess our, our core needs, we're not even going to call it a core need, but like we often have needs to resolve fear or move towards pleasure or hide from experience or avoid pain. He's yep. saying that like if you can be more mindful, you can check in with yourself a bit more around like what are you actually trying to do here because cognitive behavioral strategies might not quite um, hit the mark, whereas more mindful approach is probably more helpful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, would you say he's suggesting that, um, there are the way I can think about integrating this is that there are some instances where, uh, challenging your thoughts enough to feel and do something different is more helpful, or maybe some instances where, just accepting things as they are and being able to be with the present is more helpful. And is it about like distinguishing which is a better approach for which situation, or is it more about bringing both together at the same time? Or is that not the right it's, way of thinking about yeah, it? Well, I, I think perspective? He's saying, yeah, I think he's saying bring both together. So he kind of describes if you think of um, thoughts, feelings, behaviors as a 3D prism, you make it 4D by okay, adding in nice. the, uh, the, mind, the mindfulness aspect of it. And right, I think you got your period. This is probably, of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think this is um, probably something just to say from the outset, and I'd, I'm aware I'm reading it off here, but um, he says, you know, we can, mindfulness integration makes it deeper. So he says triangular prism, which is quite funny. You know, it's, uh, um, also, he says, we can also consider our relationship to thoughts, feelings, and actions. So right. change it, which changes their quality on how we relate to them. So the same thought could be experienced in different ways. For example, are we identified with the thought or are we observing it with the mind? Are we making room for feelings and emotions or are we judging and resisting them? When it comes to actions, behaviors, what quality of presence do we bring to those actions or behaviors? Are we doing it mindlessly or bitterly as if we shouldn't have to do it? Or are we uh, present and open to it, really doing what we're doing? So saying how we relate to ch challenging feelings, how seriously we take self-critical thoughts, and what quality of presence and awareness affects our actions. So I, I really I really like that. It's kind of, it's almost like mindful every step of the way. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does, am I so strongly identified with this thought that, it is therefore going to lead to a feeling or am I judging this feeling that I'm having rather than just accepting it as it is without trying to change it. And I guess more onto um, kind of stuff around behaviors and goals. Like, is this behavior in line with my goals? How does it feel 
to do something that I know to be good for me versus doing something that feels a bit icky and a bit off and I'm not uh, quite, a bit like really tuning into your body and listening to that. And I think that what he's saying is like with this mindful presence, you can reset a bit of a loop that you're mindful every step of the way and you're not right. getting too attached or you're not behaving in ways you don't want or you're not living your life just trying to move away from bad feelings or move towards right, good feelings. Right, right. I, think, I think it's a really... It, it seems very simple, but it's it's um I guess particularly thinking about, you know, um the waking up app in particular, he's saying it's not around, you know, formal practice, that 10 minutes you sit down in the day. You can be mindful every step of the way, you know, just before you stand up from your desk or just before you call a friend on the phone yeah. or um as you're having the worst day of your life, you can still be mindful and present the whole the whole way through. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me a bit. So, of it. Well, we've um, a long time ago. You and I did a a book on acceptance and commitment therapy, which also ties together sort of cognitive behavioural therapy with mindfulness. And a yeah. big theme in that was like um, sometimes our goals themselves are are like avoidance strategies, like. Oh, I want to feel better just because I want to get rid of this stuff and I want to escape it and avoid it. And so, like, give me some techniques so I can get rid of this. Mm -hmm. And there's the, the they were saying there that well, maybe maybe the attitude of wanting to get rid, the relationship you have with those feelings, is itself the heart of the issue. And that if we concentrate on giving you techniques to help you get rid, we're only reinforcing this escape attitude this flight out of the fight flight freeze kind of um yeah uh part of you this relationship of flight that you're you're giving to these thoughts all these feelings and actually if we reframe the actual issue and don't just take your goal as a given um mm -hmm. maybe what you need is to help be with what's actually going on uh it doesn't mean yeah. you're just going to not do anything about it but like First, you might need to accept how you're feeling and what's going on for you before you can take that step of thinking about what might be best to do next. And it's yeah, it's kind of taking taking that pause almost to be like, ah, oh, how does this how does this feel? Or is this the same sort of thought I've had before and being less reactive and more responsive, I suppose, to situations as it as they arise and responding in ways that feel meaningful to you based on, you know, how it feels in your body and like how connected you are with with yourself and your values and i think um one aspect of cbt i, I wonder if you can maybe just explain a bit about it is core beliefs um mm -hmm. and done a whole I, I i have covered it before but um i guess what's the role of core beliefs in cbt okay so <laughs> uh aaron beck who founded cognitive therapy talked about three cognitive layers um and they're like layers of depth so on the the sort of highest layer you've got automatic thoughts right mm -hmm. and these are these are the literal thoughts you're having in any given moment they might be images so you might be mentally rehearsing what's going to happen in a moment you might be saying a phrase to yourself it might be mental chatter but basically it's it's almost tangible. Like if I stopped and paused you, you could write that down or 
or or show me a movie screen of what you were imagining in that moment so that's mm. an automatic thought um but then those thoughts he's saying are based on certain assumptions or rules we're making in the moment so i don't know if my sort of gut assumption is um things are going to go really badly then that might explain why the thought i was having in that moment was uh being vigilant and predicting all the risks that might happen so i can be prepared for this bad outcome that i think is going to happen right okay and so like uh yeah that second layer down are rules or assumptions which sort of guide these negative automatic thoughts but even those rules or assumptions are only really applicable to certain scenarios but what we really carry with us everywhere we go is that bottom layer which is our core beliefs so the rule like uh or the assumption that i don't know um assumptions often come in sort of if then phrases so oh if that person turned around and looked at me then it means that they're judging me um mm. and maybe i make those sorts of assumptions because i have a core belief that i'm fundamentally inferior or something like that and that mm. i can take with me wherever i go so you can think that automatic thoughts are thoughts that what whatever's happening right now in this moment in your mind that you could write down assumptions are kind of general uh yeah general assumptions or rules that you take with you into particular scenarios but yep. the core beliefs are the beliefs you have about yourself or the world that you take at wherever you go um mm -hmm. okay so they usually That's you can fine. phrase them as i am whatever or the world okay. is dangerous or something like that okay I'm glad I asked. I believe I answered that. <laughs> yeah. And um, I guess before I was hoping um, there's a few different sections that I'd really like to m move through with you. I think it would be interesting for people listening, but I guess just quickly touching on um, the lenses in which we view things through, which um, CBT would describe as cognitive distortions. So there's, I believe there's 15 okay. um, that we might refer to throughout the, Yeah. Um, I might not list them all, but some of them is, you know, some of the key ones is like, you know, black and white thinking, overgeneralization, discounting and I just, the positive. before you go into them, yeah, can yeah, I give yeah, you yeah. a rule of thumb, connect it to what we just talked about, right? Yeah, sure. So if I have a core belief that um, I'm uh, inferior and therefore, mm -hmm. so what does this mean? Well, this, I carry this belief around with me and then I get reality coming back at me. And mm. sometimes reality <laughs> doesn't suggest I'm inferior, right? Mm. But if my, if that belief is strong, I kind of need to warp the reality that's coming in to fit my worldview. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. like you've got this, that that's the lens that, so, uh, I don't know, let's say, let's say I'm in the supermarket and, uh, I'm about to, you know, get in line for the for the queue, and someone kind of comes in front of me <laughs> and jumps the queue. Mm. Well, what any number of things could have happened there, right? They might not have seen me. They might not have realised I was about to join the queue, and they just sort of mm. saw the spot and went in. But given my core belief, I might assume, well, of course that person cut in front of me because I'm kind of worthless and pathetic and anyone can walk over me and that's fine and I, I have to deal with that right but so 
So going to what you're about to say, so there are a particular number of strategies, cognitive distortions we might use to help warp reality to fit our core beliefs. And that's yeah. what these distortions help us do. Yeah, and he's asking, well, he's suggesting that we're we're mindful of the lenses in which we see the world through and kind of linking to what you're saying, like how, what the role of that is for us. So, you know, often, and this is where it's kind of very CBT based like this is where these aspects are like really key and sort of one of the i think the most useful aspects of cbt to be honest um that i've that i've found but yeah so just list a few says um you know uh black and white thinking overgeneralization, discounting the positive um catastrophizing and um blaming and emotional reasoning so there's some of the key ones yeah um key ones there so I I was interested um, in, in particular. So he, he's talking, one of the key aspects of what he talks about is finding leverage. So okay. it's a term he uses saying, you know, reaching our goals is much easier if we have the right tools. So it's, it's, it's matching our intentions in, in life, like what we want to achieve and our goals and our aims with the right skills and tools. So he's saying that um, setting goals is the best way to find leverage. And it's sort of from setting a goal yeah. and paying close attention to your experience, you can get real life data um, okay. yeah. about whether this is something that's in tune with what you you want and what you wish for, or whether it's feeling out of line with that. And um, I guess kind of it's leverage every every step of the the way, really. So you're kind of noticing is this um, is this thought um, you know um, useful or not useful. At that stage, is this feeling? Um, I hesitate to use the word valid, but is is this feeling sort of one I want to um, em- embrace um, like or helpful? Is this helpful? Yeah, is this feeling helpful to respond to? Is this a useful? What what is this feeling of worry, fear, happiness, joy telling me? So you're paying yeah. more attention to that, and then back to what I said earlier, like the do these behaviours kind of fit in line with my values. So I think I, I found that quite interesting. So like the thought of setting a goal first, so saying like act intentionally, because our beliefs sh- shape reality and we act accordingly. So, and he's saying identifying the costs and rewards of our behaviours. And um, So what, what's the leverage of, part of this? The leverage part is using um, essentially by being more in tune with your thoughts feelings and behaviors yeah. you can be more targeted in the way you um think feel and behave so you 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 you're getting yourself closer to your your goals and uh, i guess a um a more fulfilling life if you're 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 able to um target it more effectively so is it like um in any given scenario, a different tool might be more or less helpful. And by setting goals and to experiment with, to like gather data, mm. we can uh, sort of help distinguish which tools or strategies are most helpful for those exactly. scenarios. Yeah. 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 And he, he's saying, you know, um, when you build up this data, you you learn about the um, the situations or the things you do that move you 
um, further or further away or closer to to your goals and therefore we can right. see ourselves it's a chance to see ourselves differently essentially like if we we start to behave in ways that are more aligned with ourselves then that's a, a positive thing rather than disconnecting from every step of the way on the opposite side like we we start to not feel ourselves that's kind of an experience that he had he was feeling really disconnected from his body his mind his thoughts his feelings and it can lead to this perpetual tiredness i suppose and just sort of life's not where you want it to yeah. be because you're not acting in line with your 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 values i guess and your um you're kind of existing out of yeah um unhealthy core beliefs i suppose yeah he was uh, he talks about, a researcher sorry, about, right yeah he talks about growing conditions just to add that in last yeah yeah i i just remember listening on the uh, on the app that he was before doing much psychotherapy he was doing more research and he he was talking about having a particular job that was like really dull and draining and tiring and not very fulfilling for him Mm. um i don't know who that came up in the book or you you know what i'm referring to there but i was wondering if that was tying into what you're saying like um and if it would be helpful to use as an example or not but yeah well i think often you see with like a lot of um authors or you know people who write books that they've had a a big change in their lives where they kind of hit this point where they realize that oh i'm living a I'm living a lie or like things can be different, you know, like Sam yeah. Harris took a ecstasy at a, or MDMA at a party and he was like, yeah. oh, I can think differently about the world. There's more to experience than this. And I guess it's a, uh, well, it's a common feeling. I guess this is where the utility of this comes into play is, that, you know, what are we, what is it like really identifying? Like, what is it that we're feeling um, to put a negative lens on? And like, what are we, um, that's even labeling. Um, what, what, what are we feeling in what ways are we feeling disconnected and what ways do we want life to be different and what what is that down to and he's saying it's down to all three like your your relationship to your thoughts your yeah. feelings and your actions and your goals and and are we doing things that support mindful presence are we moving away from certain feelings and i think often you know in in his case there was something he he wasn't addressing the totality of his experience when he was ill like he was wanting to move it move away from it and wishing that things were different yeah. and um i guess it would be different for different people i suppose when it but um um i'm not sure if i'm kind of answering your question but essentially it's that there's he's seeing that there's another way of being and we learn about ourselves in the process the more we pay attention right yeah I, and i don't yeah. know what's coming up for me about that i don't know how much this ties in but like is actually looking well what are why are my goals my goals and so for example Mm. if you're just going in let's say we had we take his problem when he talked about having this research job he didn't like so you you know he might have gone for some cbt because he was procrastinating and depressed right And, and then but and you could imagine someone focusing on okay well how do we help you stop procrastinating and maybe we'll do some breathing techniques and help you get close like set some goals to help you do your work and Mm, mm. but but maybe like actually the whole point was the whole job was not fulfilling for him Mm, and so mm. rather than how do I do a job I hate better the goal might become like well what's led for me to be okay with doing something that's unfulfilling and how do I change out of that to do something else and you're changing the whole like 
level of the goal there. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. Like looking at what the the wanting wants, is it? it's right? Like really analyzing, like, why do I want these things that I want? Is it a um, is it out of a, a genuine interest or a joy? Like, what are you going to find fulfilling? And I think this is probably where it ties into so many of the other books we've read. You know, kind of around goal setting, or he, he does get you to do what um, the Tony Robbins program says sorry um, this is oh, i thought you uh, said he gets you to do the tony robbins program <laughs> no, 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 like look, looking at how yeah. like doing a really strong inventory of like how you're right. spending the hours of your day and right. what, what parts of your life are you fully present for and where are you not present and what parts of your life are you feeling dissatisfied by and he gets you to do like the time i encourage you to do the you know, how, how long are you spending on your phone? Is this time well spent? How do you Correct. feel after you spend time with with family? How do you spend how do you feel after you spend time with friends? How do you right. feel when you go to work? Is this and the the only way to really kind of work it out and to live authentically is to sort of respond with behaviors, I suppose, to to the situation you're in. Well, and I suppose yeah. that's that sounds like what I was trying to get at was it's really getting you to get in touch with your actual values around these things because mm. goals, uh, it goals come out of values, don't they? But if, if mm. the goals are based on values, I don't know, let's say like, so you want to work on your anger and it's like, well, you could do that. But if, if you're not in touch with why you get getting angry, it might be actually, <laughs> You're around people you really don't like a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Maybe your yeah. anger's fine, but like, w- what is it that's led you to accept being in this situation all the time? And maybe you do well to work that out and like put yourself in relationships that uh, are more fulfilling for you and don't piss you off as much. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that's always the answer of anger, of course, but like, mm. uh, unless you've actually sort of diagnose the level at which this goal is coming from, then you might be just putting more fuel on the fire. And I suppose, mm. yeah, this this persistent mindful presence on thoughts at that top part of the pyramid, that presence of awareness of your behavior as you're doing it and the attitudes of which you're taking these behaviors, the attitudes you have towards your thinking and towards your feeling might help you get closer to that deeper Mm. Uh, value and then you yeah, can go I, goals I, off of that bit <laughs> yes yes I've um something I, I guess just kind of um slightly separate but I, I've been I found this really useful around um decision making in particular like right. when yeah. often when faced with a decision is it it's not as simple as like a pros and cons list right it's right like because every, every decision would have a pros and cons yeah um, And like sometimes you could like, and it depends how much weight you put on each, right? The the con list might have one con and the pros might have 10, but if you really hate that con, it it might, you might still want to go that way, you know? So it's, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I found what, what I found previously with decision-making when I've, I suppose, taken a CBT approach, you know, sort of challenged my, um, challenged my thoughts and provided contrary evidence and yeah. sort of like, oh, maybe it won't end up as bad as I think it will be. And it's, it, yeah. it just doesn't didn't didn't land. It was yeah. just sort of at a very 
cognitive level it was at yeah. like the thinking level and it's just like oh if i maybe i can try and see this differently but the reality was that like at a deeper level there was something in me that almost wanted to be told the answer or be, <laughs> yeah. you know, have the have the decision made for me and i guess yeah more recently i guess in the last um last while i've just been having decisions to make and that sort of thing and it's like what is what is the basis for making a good decision and i you know there's stuff on you know listen to your gut or you know make yeah. logical decisions and there's a time and a place for both but i think yeah ultimately ultimately it's the more in touch you are with you know the true whether it's like a small voice in you I, i'm hoping you can maybe add to this but i i yeah. found the more in touch with my body i am and not looking outside of myself for an answer yeah or sort of you know support being like oh you should do this thing or oh, that sounds like a good idea or or yeah. um getting other people to sort of validate decisions i make either way it's uh i found a lot more satisfaction from i guess making decisions from a, a lot more of a centered place like an in, yeah. in, internal decisions I'm, i hope i'm explaining that well but yeah, i guess yeah. a lot of that is driven by meditation practice like being a lot more in touch with my body being a lot more aware of when a thought is probably unwise or a little bit distorted or when a feeling might just be you know it's not anxiety it's just that i stood up really quickly and <laughs> not like not like labeling not labeling feelings as good or or bad necessarily mm -hmm. but th there's something kind of deep about this sort of practice that really helps with decision making yeah yeah great yeah well no yeah, it's a really good point like you can't use pure reason to make a decision because at the end of the day a decision has to have a value attached to it but then i suppose the 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 flip side of the coin making it decisions purely on emotion is that well one of the cognitive distortions right is emotional reasoning I'm scared, therefore the situation is dangerous. I feel guilty, mm. therefore I'm bad. And yeah. so there's a, so it's, but then obviously that feelings and reasoning is all we have. So they can't both be wrong, but there's something, there's like a, a deeper level of awareness. So it's like, okay, yes, mm. I have this feeling that this is scary, but that doesn't mean it's not a value for me still to do it. So let's listen to more of what's going on. Yeah. And there might be pros and cons, and that might be worth taking into account, but they all have to be ultimately attached to what I value. Otherwise they're meaningless. Right. So it's, it is different. Yeah. It's, um, and I suppose ultimately there's a deeper, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like your true self or, your organismic self if you're into person-centered theory but like when something is really of value to your true self it's like it might take quite a lot of mindfulness to get used to the difference between what are my defenses just trying to have me mm -hmm. um escape or attack something and what yes. do i actually want for me yeah i think what what he, he has a, a section in the book on is called like say yes so it's a lot around the acceptance um, some of the things we spoke around, but like the only way you can really make a full, I guess, whether you want to call it educated or in touch decision is by being fully open to all the feelings, emotions, thoughts right. that come 
come at that right. point in time. Like if, if you're sort of um, cherry picking, it's like, oh, this feels right. just uncomfortable. So I'm just going to focus on the the happy bit or <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, bit, yeah. the bit that feels good. Um, I think it's it's sort of, and I guess I feel like I've read a load of books that maybe not struggle to, but have made different attempts to describe what wisdom is. Yeah. And it's like, it's being able to sit with any of the experiences that you have and be able to not try and change it or not try and force it or push it away. And from that, so many books describe that this this wisdom rises out of that. And it's, uh, um, I guess I'd probably never do as good a job articulating as some some people have. But there's something there's something in that that I'm like, yeah, that's good. Like if I I can fully experience things no matter yeah. what, um, without judgment, without trying to change them. Then from there comes, um, you know, wise wiser action, wiser wiser thoughts, um, potentially, yeah. and you know, more authentic feelings. Yeah, yeah. Well, if yeah, that makes sense. So it's like, how do I gather all the data? And actually, if if our fear or guilt or shame or anger or something is screaming the loudest, and then we try and push it away, like all the more subtle feelings will never get a chance, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I suppose that's where the mindfulness comes in. That if we can sort of tune into what's screaming the loudest and stay with it. We might give anything else that's there that also has a voice a chance to say, well, I also feel this way about it. <laughs> uh, mm. There's a part of me that does want to do this. That's why I signed up for in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I am um, just to kind of uh, just switch up. There is a section on um, mindful action. And there was just one quote from there that I really liked. Um, we don't need to kind of sit on it for too long. But he's saying mindful action. It's about being more deliberate in what we choose to do step into mindful acceptance which is in line with reality so um not getting um too caught up in time constraints or neglecting ourselves which makes us uh, out of alignment um but he's saying stop struggle when you stop struggling it leads to congruence between your mind and your actions which is kind of a summary of what we've just been speaking about and I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling that at the moment. It's a, it's an interesting, um, interesting way of being, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it, I think it really highlights a potential common problem with pure CBT is that you, your, the goals and issues for which you might be coming into it might all be, like, um sort of escapism desires. I, I don't want to feel like this. I want to push it away. I'm, I'm repeating myself from earlier. Um, and if you just stay on that level, then you're, you know, or, or you, a lot of what you're doing is, yes, you you might be challenging your thoughts to feel differently, to act differently, but it's also you can, mm. it's all because you're struggling with how you're feeling. And actually maybe the first layer is, tuning more into how you're feeling uh, mm. rather than finding strategies to push away how you're feeling and then mm. um then you can actually gain all the evidence like you talked about not just 
cognitive pros and cons, but the more felt evidence to actually uh, uh, then you have data to make more informed and deliberate decisions. I'm um, I'm curious. Um, I feel like I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but curious what your experience of doing um, yoga has been in terms of becoming a bit more in touch with your your body and maybe some of the positive effects of that. Because he talks about um, this in the book. There's a chapter called like love love your body, and it's basically saying, you know offer your body more love and attention um, and don't lose attention to your body. Um, because that's your way of connecting to the present and i i guess i'm wondering if there's anything you've uh you've gleaned from any yoga classes you've done or your practice over the years and what whether that ties into anything we're saying here yeah um well i suppose yoga forces you in a way like if you're trying to do a balance and you start thinking about the past or the future, you'll just fall over. So like, whereas if you're just sitting and doing sitting mindfulness, you can potentially get distracted for quite a long time without realizing if you mm. get distracted during yoga, you'll know pretty soon. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So it has that benefit. Um, you're actually working out to some degree. So it also really encourages, um, helpful breathing um mm. and yeah i suppose thirdly you just you get to know bits of your body and sensations that you would otherwise never get in touch with and uh i found it also really helped me like learn the difference between um <laughs> wrong pain and just discomfort that's okay so some mm. like i say wrong pain that's a bad phrase um <laughs> unhealth potentially unhealthy pain like pain it's like no you shouldn't go into that like that's you know that's not good <laughs> that's gonna pull something or pop something versus a discomfort that's like yeah that's yeah. that's all right like you can stay there and it's not pleasant but it's not doing you any harm and obviously I might be wrong about that, but I have the felt sense that I've <laughs> learned to tell the difference. Um, and hopefully that translates not just uh, physically and physiologically, but emotionally as well. The difference between like what's okay to sit with <laughs> versus uh, what's actually real information you should probably do something about because more damage mm. will be done if you don't. Um, mm -hmm. okay. yeah so yeah I love yoga it's great stuff <laughs> always that's, feel better for it never never regret doing a class yeah. yeah we'll be doing plenty of it in a few weeks to, a few weeks time yeah yeah we good <laughs> um cool I guess is there, is there anything you wanted to ask me I feel like I've asked you a few questions but um I guess I read the book but you've got so much knowledge I'm just trying to hear a lot from you there's a, there's a few other chapters um you know, around addressing anger or yeah. um, mindfulness in relationships, um, the impact of technology, procrastination. I'll just throw those out there if there's Great. anything interest you. Great. Okay, so maybe because um, we've jumped around a lot, maybe if I just sort of summarise the key 
aspects as I've seen them from you. Yeah, yeah cool. So you've got, I, I really like this triangle to pyramid thing because I think that sums it up really nicely. So you've got your sort of classic CBT model, which is um, your thinking affects how you feel, how you feel affects what you do, and that can spiral around each other for better or worse and oftentimes for worse right we can get ourselves in negative spirals and also then whatever core beliefs we've built from our life experiences then get filtered distorted through lenses that perpetuate mm. the cycle mm. and so cbt teaches us to notice our thinking and assumptions and challenge them but he's saying here on each of those angles of the triangle you can apply or we've got this fourth dimension of present awareness would you call it that um mindfulness i suppose like actually seeing what your relationship is to your behavior what your relationship is to your feelings what your relationship is to your thoughts and um if we're struggling on that fourth dimension like pushing away and mm-hmm. hating ourselves or um wanting our thoughts or feelings to not be there then maybe our focus should be more not on changing our behaviors and thinking at least initially but more on coming to peace with our relationship to each of those and then mm-hmm. maybe from that point we're more in touch with ourselves and we're in touch with our values and it's uh we can make sort of hopefully more clearer decision making mm. right Great so the question would be let's go into the relationship one that stands out for me the most um what does he how would he apply that to relationships yes there's a few different aspects um to it and i guess he does build in some of the um cognitive distortions into this so but i'll, I'll kind of start with the mindful aspect so he's saying um obviously relationships and this goes for you know friendships and romantic relationships or you know relationships with anyone really um is that they can be a source of pleasure or pain and um they can be a chance to increase connection or they can be a chance to have conflict and he's saying that with this approach we can be more authentic more present and more available in our relationships and kind of what you're saying like you might realize from this experience that someone's like Wow, this person's incredible, and I'd um, you know really like to be a friend with them, or um, you might see people in a different way, or you might go, "This person's um, not good to be around; they cause me stress, and I need to yeah. distance myself from them." But what he's so the mindful aspect is is that being open to seeing somebody as they are, mm-hmm. um, and being entirely present and available when you're with them. So you know when you're not on your phone, when you're spending time with them, and you're saying that I am here and I am with you and you're you're kind of accepting them being in your life at that point in time and noticing how you feel in that moment and like how that influences so your how that influences how you interact with them differently when you're actually more present with people because he's saying in friendships or relationships we we come in with all these cognitive distortions that this person is this way or they always act like this or we have mm-hmm. expectations about how they're going to be with us or we hold um things they've done in the past against them now and we see things through certain lenses when we're with them so that's kind of building in the cbt aspect of it he's saying so 
it gets you to see through what is some of the negative assumptions you you have when you're with somebody what's a fantasy know when you're got black and white thinking about somebody when you're casting judgments on them or you're um making presumptions around the way they're talking to you or treating treating you so he's saying notice those feelings and pay attention to them as a way of sort of experiencing people more fully which i think was Mm. it was was really nice and yeah i guess there is there is a flow between you know thoughts feelings and actions when it comes to being in the presence of some somebody else which um may seem kind of obvious after everything we've spoken about but it's um yeah i i liked it it was a good it was a good chapter it was sort of just being like oh you know like sometimes you will have a difficult conversation and you can bring mindful awareness to the feeling of discomfort without hating the other person or something like that or yeah 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 um, yeah, or you know not ignoring the negatives because you have this predetermined idea that this person's going to be your best friend and nothing they can do is is uh, you know what i mean yeah you, you kind of know i'm getting i've been speaking for a while but so uh, <laughs> yeah. largely there's yeah the principle you might yeah. guess of bringing mindful awareness to your interactions and yeah, you could talk all day about how that's more and more hard to do with like phones and technology and stuff. Um, and then I like this idea that, yeah, you can, relationships can come with connection and like bonding and all that yeah. good stuff. And it can come with conflict. Um, but that's, yeah, it's normal too. Obviously from my I, I view conflict very broadly as as simply as if if any two people have a, a different worldview on something or even a different preference, then there is a there is a conflict. There's a mismatch. It doesn't mean there's an argument. That doesn't mean there's like hard feelings or hatred or anything like that. But mm. but the thing needs resolution in some way. That sort of thesis, antithesis, synthesis you need to find some sort of mm. if you're going to maintain connection then differences somehow need to be transcended in relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I suppose I also heard you saying that bringing that mindful awareness can help you notice when you're bringing all your old shit into into new relationships, (laughs) all your your old predictions and assumptions and um, maybe even just your mood that day. Which will lead to behaviors in how you're acting around the right. person. Are you are you like engaged? Are you withdrawn from them? Are you being accommodating? Are yeah. You, you know, there, there's potentially reflexive and non deliberate actions as well that you might regret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And ultimately, I suppose, yeah, learning yeah is this a relationship i want to foster or is it one i want to move away from and that's okay as well but doing that from a very deliberate uh Mm. values-based place which can only really come from yeah present well that what we talked about that data of if you're present with yourself and what you're feeling then Mm. you're more in touch with what your values really are do you say, say anything about conflicts, conflict resolution? Conflict, what do you say? <laughs> um, yeah, I think 
see the thing i could probably link to that is he says watch the beliefs and filters we put on people yeah around should um yeah. or shouldn't so like they shouldn't be disagreeing with me or they should think <laughs> the way i think yeah yeah and we kind of end up outsourcing our sense of well-being to other people and we can be very protective of our own opinions and that sort of thing so that would sort of relate to conflict that if we're if we're getting really uptight or um wound up by a, a conflict it's worth acknowledging what am i bringing to this that's contributing to this feeling of distress or discomfort is it yeah. down to my well, it could be down to your behavior like if you're sort of acting in a threatening way it could be down to your um your thought patterns potentially it's like oh am i am i judging this person before i've had a chance to hear them out for example or yeah they sh- or do i think that everyone should have the same opinion as me otherwise they're unintelligent or stupid mm. or, you know is them expressing themselves in a certain way just because i feel um I don't know, excited by that or just because I feel um, scared by that, does that mean that they're a bad person? So I guess, Mm. yeah, like each step of the way is sort of a chance to just stop for a second before we... Yeah, um, and generally... Further to the conflict and create a cycle, yeah. Yeah, that rule of thumb of first checking what am I bringing to this if there is a conflict and kind of taking responsibility for that before jumping to those conclusions and acting on those distortions Mm -hmm. is always easier said than done isn't it but yeah it's good principles to aim for (laughs) yeah that's good nice Nice. um any any other sections i mentioned that you're interested in or uh Uh, feel like you've got on the gist that one stood out was there maybe say them to me again what were the ones left yeah so what, what's what's there left to go with so how about there's i'll give you two to choose from so yeah. working with procrastination yeah or addressing problematic anger let's go with procrastination help me with my procrastination, procrastination. yeah <laughs> okay so he says it can be stressful when we feel like we run out of time and can find it hard to get started these are the two main reasons why we procrastinate so to um, run out of time or find it hard to get started and finding it hard to get started. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and when we finally get into it, we're rushed, even when we know it's hard. So it says yeah. it's rooted in two fears that one will do a bad job, yeah. or we put it off to avoid punishment. Okay. So, um, and we have these kind of thing. We have these thought patterns that it's going to be unpleasant, tedious, or annoying to do, and that's like negatively reinforced over time. Mm-hmm. Like every time I start an assignment it's not going to be good and uh, i guess i'm saying assignment um task every time yeah so something it's gonna um i won't do it well enough if i don't get started um you know if i'm not going to do it well i won't do it at all attitude or where it's we reinforce procrastination by procrastinating <laughs> essentially <laughs> it's, it, it, it's circular <laughs> yeah 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 so it's um i guess what, what he said yeah so he's saying we learn to repeat it in the future so when we when we do something that makes us avoid negative experience that makes avoid we, we avoid it we learn to repeat it in the future we find strategies to avoid and this strength this is strengthened and repeated we do something easy to distract ourselves and then we yeah. get relief so there's also a um 
a like a loop that gets built when you do something easy instead of the hard thing you're like oh it feels nice to send that email or um kind of do that easy thing instead of the difficult task yeah and yeah, says, yeah cbt aims to work with this fear and resistance he says you should study it be open to discomfort we don't have to be comfortable life opens up when we are willing to be uncomfortable find forward motion and the next most important step um okay so david, david Allen <laughs> yeah. yes oh yeah great um so it's either like deadlines or getting started are kind of at the heart of it and i suppose that will either get punished or do a bad job has us put mm. off mm. and then doing it will be boring or unpleasant or or whatever and so and then we get ourselves in these feedback loops where we keep finding something that we can get quick dopamine hits from quick bits of mastery it's like well i can wash up these dishes or <laughs> do or get some pleasure playing this video game and like and then that just reinforces it because the relief we get from putting it off just reinforces putting it off um mm-hmm. okay so that's the cycle i heard and the the sort of solution is to be able to i suppose emotionally tune in and be okay with that discomfort and then mm-hmm. go and david allen the thing and really drill down <laughs> into what's the next action <laughs> well there's a bit of um feel the fear and do it anyway which is a book i haven't read but i feel like knowing the title i've read the book <laughs> is <laughs> is that like that we can we can feel like we can't be bothered and we can worry that this isn't going to be good enough but we can still get started yes yeah. there's, there's there is a forward motion to take like we can and it's also building up a level of maybe a bit broader than procrastination but like we we can build up a level of resilience to discomfort like we're yeah. okay feeling uncomfortable like that's just a, a feeling but it's not the thought that i am i'm worthless or something like that or we start behaving so we don't go out the house because we're having a feeling that you know we're uncomfortable yeah i can see yeah, how yeah. the cycle could begin so it's it's I, I what i like is that he he's kind of gone through many different scenarios you know yeah. there's relationships anger anxiety procrastination whatever it is and it's by bringing more mindful presence to to life it has such wide re- reaching implications like you yeah like your relationships will be better if you pay attention like, <laughs> you're like you will you will manage your anxiety better if you understand it better like you will procrastinate less if you're you can understand what are the contributing factors to yeah. you procrastinating and then therefore if you have a better relationship with your thoughts and feelings you might end up being more kind and more compassionate to yourself like it's, yeah yeah it's definitely got um elements of um acceptance and commitment therapy yeah like yeah accepting things and the um and compassion focus therapy yeah. we did yeah. as well um by yeah paul gilbert that was yeah it, it draws in a lot of those other aspects and i think yeah compassion yeah. is probably a, another layer to this um, yeah we learn to be less critical of our thoughts or we learn to be less critical when we do things that are out of line with our values and eventually we built we build up well i guess the goal is to do more things that you know to be good for you than 
bad for you and you start <laughs> kind of responding to thoughts that feel more um useful to you and you start yeah. leaning into feelings now start again you start kind of responding to feelings with behaviors that feel true and honest and valid to yeah. you rather than responding from fear or um yeah. striving you know it's it's um and doing yeah, those things all... with a helpful and compassionate attitude yeah because I think that's I mean that's key isn't it because we you can start making all the right decisions and challenging your thoughts but if internally <laughs> you're like don't bloody do that again you idiot <laughs> like yeah, yeah and it's always a struggle it's like come on you could like and so it's not just about mm. acting on your values with each decision point is it but it's also about the relationship we have with ourselves as we mm. do that and in particular behaviors you know what what's the the kindest way to proceed yeah you know, what are what are the what are the attitudes and thoughts and feelings i want to bring to this yeah behavior yeah you know yeah, do i want to yeah. do do i want to hang up this laundry with with some joy or do I hate the whole <laughs> do it thing, resentful you know? yeah <laughs> and then but also I, I know it's kind of funny but also yeah. understanding like what the impact of doing stuff you don't want to do yeah with a negative mindset has on you over time yeah like yeah. you learn just yeah. to hate things you don't like doing yeah it's like if you could embrace being like oh it's actually maybe it's nice i just don't have to think too much and i can just relax yeah and, especially you know, with those like, things that you yeah. will do for the rest of your life anyway like hanging at the washing oh god yeah, yeah. and because i just one thing i want to say to the other side of procrastination is sometimes like okay yes maybe most of the time we're usually taking the perspective of we've already taken it as a given that this is something we should quote should do is in line with our values and we're putting it off for reasons that are um I don't know, not in line with the present or with acceptance mm. or because of old stuff we're bringing to this task about fears of punishment and things. But sometimes a procrastination might be onto something, right? Sometimes it might be like, mm. you know what, for once and for all, I'm never going to do this bloody thing again. I hate it and I'm done with it. And maybe that's all right. Yeah. So there's, there's that. Again, it comes down to, well, what is the core value here? And maybe it's something like the hang that you're washing, where it's like, well, I don't find this pleasant, but... I am going to wash my clothes. I'm not going to pay someone else to do it. So I will be doing this once a week yeah, forever. Yeah, kind of <laughs> so I'm yeah, going to accept yeah. that I want to take a positive attitude. Or maybe it's something that's, you know what? This just isn't worth it to me anymore. I'm, I'd am i be happy to never do this task for the rest of my life. And that's okay with me too. So it's really drilling down whether you actually want to do this thing and whether that's coming mm, from a sort mm. of healthy value set. Mm, mm. I, th I think for me, just to kind of wrap up what's been my main um takeaway is that because you know doing you know kind of daily using a meditation app and doing a lot of practice and just something i'm just generally um wanting to do more of this has been a book that's really outlined the ways i can implement this in various aspects of my life right like the actual you know when it comes to work when it comes to relationships when it comes to you know th this this and that you know it's um it, it was a good one to do. I, I liked it. It sort of tied a lot in for me. And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, someone for someone who maybe is already well into the mindfulness and meditating, if you're coming at that angle, it'll help bring that more applicable, not just to when you're sat yeah. meditating, but during your actual interactions or decision making or 
yeah. um, daily tasks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the other side, people who might already be familiar with CBT, uh, it brings in the more kind of spiritual, getting in touch with yourself, making sure things are, you know, learning about yourself, whether things are really in line with your values and having that more congruent internal relationship to your thoughts, feelings, behavior. I like that more congruent relationship. That's nice. Yeah. All right, mate. Cool. I reckon that'll do us. Yeah. Until next time. See you soon, mate. (laughs) See you, mate. Bye. Bye.